Amen. It's going to have to ask you to do a couple more versions. If that phrase, worthy as a lamb who was slain, Sorry, it just moved me today. <laughs> Every one of us, there's going to be a day that says, when that seventh seal won't open, we're all worried about it, and the lamb's going to come forward, and every knee is going to bow and say, worthy is the lamb. He's incredible. We have been talking, and, and the thing that I realized when Ben chose these topics there is not one topic about God that can be taken solely apart from the rest of them. God cannot be received in parts. He doesn't come in parts. And like we kind of, we learn recipes and we have a little bit of add this milk, add this egg. God does not exist that way. God exists whole, entirely whole. His creation cannot be separated from him being king of the kingdom or from him being uh, sovereign or from him be, had given a covenant uh, with an atonement that makes it possible for us to come into his relationship. He can't be seen and accepted in whole without understanding his desire for the church. And so as we look at these things, uh, I challenge you to not try to pick them in pieces. Let them speak in your life. For today... We're going to look at something very, very personal to me. As you could tell last week, uh, as Ben was speaking, you were up here with the tears last week because <laughs> it was very personal to him. What is God's desire for humanity? What is his mission? Uh, this is very personal to me because I think for years I had at least a distorted view of God's mission for human beings. And, and when God began to lift the veil off my eyes, at least to some point that I could see, wow, I was headed in this direction and God had a whole new plan, a whole new way of walking life for me, uh, I was blown away. I was so excited about the revelation of what that was. I still today, when I look uh, back... It's 50 years I've been a Christian, but for about 40 years, God has kind of revealed some of these things to me. And I, I look and I'm embarrassed sometimes how little growth that I think I've had in four, the 40 years of understanding this. But the good news is it isn't up to me. And, uh, and I wish if there was anything I could do is to help bring the good news of the mystery of this gospel to you. Uh, uh, there's so many people that I see in a job that I do of counseling people that are frustrated and burned out and, and not understanding this whole life here. And to at least have a glimpse of what it's like to not live with such a heavy, heavy burden and a heavy, heavy yoke, I, I want it for everybody. I want people to at least know there is a freedom in Christ that a joy that reflects out of you when Jesus says, I've told you these things. So not only that you will experience my joy and it might be full, but that those around you will see the joy that herein I have given you, that they might be drawn to you in the same way. So in order to go back and really, really have a grasp of what was God's design, I think we have to go back and see the creation of man. 
And I think we have to see that when God created man, God did not need to create man. But God chose to create man, and because the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in their union together and their oneness together, asked that we would somehow, he'd create human beings that would somehow be a part of that dance that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit had. It was a, something that he wanted to share. Those of you that, that uh, know that when you get excited about something in life and you are just kind of overwhelmed with something in life, I, I cannot just sit there and not say anything. Uh, I, I relate so much to the guy in the gospel that his son was dying and, uh, and then all of a sudden his son died and he goes to Jesus and Jesus speaks and the boy is raised up from the dead. And then he says a peculiar thing. He said, don't tell anybody. I remember Don Francisco, a musician back before many of you were born, uh, sang a song and it was called, I got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. And you'll notice when the guy went out, he walked out and he couldn't help but tell people of the miracle of his boy being raised. And sometimes I feel like uh, that as you begin to grasp some of the freedom that I think God has in his mission and his purpose for your life and my life, you will see an unbelievable liberty. And I promise you, you, you will not be able to not tell people about it. It is fascinating. For years, I have, and for years, I've looked over a world, especially, I got to see a lot of other countries, uh, and I don't know that any of them are innocent. We have presented a picture of Christ and a religion that is not at all, at all, uh, a picture of who he truly is. And then we freak out when the world strikes against it. I really believe that if we can grab what this mission is and begin to embrace it into our life, uh, that it is attractive. People are drawn to it. It is amazing. It says, if you'll lift him up, all men will be drawn to him. So as I look at that, I, I began to look at some of the verses in the scriptures and some of the things that stood out to me when I looked at what is a purpose? What is a mission? What did would Jesus say that his father sent him? Let me read for you. Just listen to some of the passages of scripture. In John, it says, for this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I came into this world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth will listen to my voice, for I am truth. Another says, I have come into the world as a light, that no one who believes in me should ever stay in darkness, but I am the light. I remember in, his, uh, in, in Matthew 11, and this, this is, if you're reading through Matthew 11, and all of a sudden you're kind of reading the, the uh, temperature, all of a sudden Jesus gets lost into praise. It's almost like he, he forgets the people are there, and he says, I thank thee, O Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the, the intelligent and the wise, and you've chosen to reveal them to babes. And he said, and then he goes on and he says, well, it's well suited in your sight that you would expose those things. For nobody knows the Father but the Son, and nobody knows the Son except for the Father. And he says, and those that I have revealed him to. But I want you to understand, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened. Come to me and take my yoke, for my yoke is not burdensome, it's light. And he proceeds to go in and talk to them about what this means. Sometimes the burden doesn't seem light. It doesn't seem light this last week. Uh, just before I left town, I was leaving for a couple days 
and I was going to go just kind of get away, enjoy myself, and I get some very, very heavy, heavy news as I get on the plane. And I, it was heavy. It weighed on me all day long. And it weighed on me all night long. And, and it was just aching to me of a dear loved one that ended up having a stroke. And I said, you know, Father, this burden seems so heavy. It seems that it is something that I seem to weigh me down, to weigh me down. And yet, you said, come to you who are weary and heavy laden. Your yoke isn't heavy. I know many of you, I look out over here, you're walking through some of the same things. There's a lot of you with all kinds of burdens. I tell you today that there is a freedom in understanding the purpose and the mission that God gave for your life. And if you begin to grasp and understand it to a fullness, this world cannot wipe you out. God says, all in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but cheer up, children, for in this world, they're going to come. But I am greater than he that's in this world. This slight momentary affliction is preparing for you a yoke of slavery. But there's an eternal weight of glory that awaits you. Two weeks, Nick's going to talk about that eternal weight of glory. Don't miss it. So as I looked at these things, I also looked and said, oh, here's some more verses. Jesus said, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness so that he might purify for himself a people for his own possession. You see, God wanted to bring and wants to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth and to let the heaven have its reign through individuals like you and me that will be able to be expressors, expressors of the life of Christ to a people. That's why in Genesis, when he says, I want you to multiply and go and, and into the whole world, that multiply wasn't that you just would have babies. If you've got to see this, that the purpose was that we would be, as God intended us to be, that we would be containers for the life and union of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to inhabit our very lives, and our very lives then would go out and reproduce other people that understood that same principle, and they would become one people. And it says, even the angels and the dominions and principalities of the world would look on in awe, not being able to comprehend this mystery. And yet man chose to act independent of God. And because of that, that mission, at least in man's mind, changed. I'm here to tell you today that mission did not change in God's man. You've heard a lot of people say, well, the plan B, there's no plan B. God today wants to, and his desire is for you and I to, uh, to join into that original mission that was meant, that you and I would be containers for the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son to inhabit our very lives and that union, and that union, I use that word a lot in here because it's a, a word that I think helped explain it to me. The union between God and man so that we might people this world and reflect to people what it was like. There's a lot of words out here that can be real fluffy or sometimes very religious. You, we've used them up here a lot. Reconciliation, sanctification, redemption, uh, all the different things that are used. And basically in a whole, all God is saying to you is this. I designed you. I designed you to be a container from my life with the Holy Spirit and the Father to dwell inside you 
so that you might now be changed from an old creation into a new creation, and that new creation would begin to reflect what has been done for you, made after the holiness and righteousness of God. And as you begin to live that out, that word sanctification simply means letting come out what is inside. Letting it begin to have its process and work its way through your life so that people begin to look at you. Just like when Philip said to Jesus, said, just show us the Father and we'll be okay. And he says, oh, Philip, I've walked with you. I've been with you for these three years. Do you not understand? Can you not comprehend? He that has seen me has seen the Father, for I am the exact representation of the Father. He who sees me sees the Father. And he goes on. That night was an incredible night. And he goes on and he begins to tell the people about the fact is, you're going to be sad because I'm going to, I say I'm going away. And you're not asking me where I'm going. And you're sad, but you ought to be happy because... If I do not go away, I will not be able to come and send the Holy Spirit to dwell in you so that you will have me in you in the same way that I had the Father in me. And you'll see, see we're going to look at some verses here in a minute where he says to his prayer to his Father, and he says, So that the world may see that you are one in the same way that the Father and I were one and are one. And when he says that, his purpose is so that we can somehow reflect what we are designed to reflect. I've had a lot of people ask me, and I, I, I called it, I, I renamed it this week, called the mystery of obedience. And uh, some people don't like that word obey. They, my kids don't like that word obey. Uh, I, I think that the obedience is a beautiful word when it's, when it's reflected the way it was designed to be reflected. We get a lot of information, and you get a lot of information from people that stand up here and talk to you. Uh, anymore, you uh, are, there's nothing lacking information out here. Everybody I see gets stuff from the internet. I hear somebody every day tell me that the pod, they just listen to podcasts, is that what they're called? I don't know. If, uh, I'm still got reel to reel. I'm getting turned into tapes. And they get all kinds of information. And you know what? The information, when I listen to it, I look at it and I said, wow, that, I wished I could say things like that. Why can't I say it like that? And then God put on my heart something. He said, Bill, all the information in the world, if you knew more than any angel in the world knew, and it did not carry itself out in love, you're a noisy, noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I don't know, I don't use gongs a lot right now, but I can tell you this. Uh, last night... Uh, I had six kids staying in my house, grandkids. Uh, we have reduced to two rooms in our house, two bedrooms. So I understood what a noisy gong sounded like last night. I'm trying to kind of go to bed, get some sleep, to get rested up. And, I, and there's a beautiful sound of grandkids laughing and giggling. And, get, and pretty soon, that, have you noticed how that, that fun sound begins to be irritating? And I'm trying to say, okay, don't get up and ruin their fun. Don't get up and ruin their fun. So I'll get pillows over my head and stuff. And, and this verse came to me. It says, that's what your words are like if they don't bring forth love and life. 
And this is what Jesus meant when he said, you people, you, you search the letters, the scriptures, and all the things that are in the Bible, the written things there, because you think that those things and that information and that knowledge is going to set you free. It isn't that that sets you free. The words are speaking about me, Jesus says. I am the living life. There's a life that is real and a life that is solid. And this is the mystery that I want to talk to you about. This is why in Colossians it says that angels long to know about this mystery. What was this mystery? And he goes, and the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so I had a lot of verses. I had a lot of things, a lot of illustrations I want to tell you. And the thing that I decided just this last week was, let me tell you a little bit of my journey. And if it can help any of you along the way, then I'm glad. I would love to tell you that I have this flaming fire that seeks God and loves God. And you come around me and just, oh, wow, the presence of God is there. I am not. Ask my grandchildren. But I have tasted the flame and I've seen it. And if somehow I can light that candle of yours by just something today that might be something just of a little bit of a turn, a little bit of an adjustment of what it means of this mystery of obedience. Because I think without obedience, you can't comprehend or understand the purpose of why you were on this planet. But I think it's real easy to miss the mystery of obedience and just begin to do works and do religious works and just read and do the things it tells you to do and don't do the things it tells you not to do. And I think the majority of the people I talk to, they are busy trying to do the right thing and try not to do the wrong thing. And I have seen in 50 years, nobody, nobody succeed at that. Even the apostle Paul said, the very thing I want to do, I can't do. I don't do. The very thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. Who's going to deliver me from this? My life was the same way. When I came to faith, I came pretty zealous. I started reading and memorizing everything I could memorize, and I memorized it so I could do it. And I went at it hard. And if anybody knows me, I don't go at things halfway. And I went at it. I think God used some fruit of it. I don't know. I think the word doesn't come back void. But it wore me out. It wore me out. And in, I couldn't say it out loud because of my position, the stuff, but I had to say it quietly is it has to be better than this. It has to be better than this. Where is the power? And. I believe Galatians was really true when it said, Galatians says that these things I've given to you so that it might shut you up to your own efforts, Bill, and your own self-effort of trying to live this Christian life. You have missed the very mission that I gave you from the very beginning was to let us, the Trinity, come in and inhabit your very life so that we might, in our union and oneness together, that we might now go out and love other people. And that love will look really different on a lot of really different people. Something in my heart stirred. I didn't know how to do it, but I wanted it. I said, God, I will do anything for that. And then God said, okay, then let's start with the beginning. Now I'm going to ask you this time, are you a seeker of that type of life? Because if you're not a seeker, you're not going to see it. A seeker of that type of life is somebody that seeks to have that in your life. It says, I, it, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Believe me, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, the kingdom is amongst you. Jesus is the kingdom. And 
to seek him is to say, God, I want that. That's all I knew. I, I knew I didn't want to go the way I was going because it was going to kill me. And I wanted to say, God, I want to be a reflection of that. But I still had my mind set on those things I would do and the people's lives that I would change. God said, what did you miss about what I just said? I want you to be a seeker of me. I want you to begin to know me. To experientially be a part of our union. Bill, if you become a part of our union and you become a part of us and us a part of you, and you begin to embrace that, out of you will flow rivers of living water towards people. You won't have to attempt it. I've been in a sweet time with my wife the last, uh, especially last year. That didn't mean 47 years wasn't nice. It was nice. But we've both talked about this union that we have lately, and we said, we keep thinking, one of us is going to die. This is too good. And, and the love is at a time where it's just really, really full. You don't have to tell me to do, do nice things for her. It just, it comes out, it's what I want to do. And that begins to happen as you begin to know God, as you begin to experience that fullness of God, as you begin to say, okay, God, how does this look and how does it work? And what's the difference? So there's a seeking that I think needs to happen. Just even if it's saying the last verse uh, Ben read is, uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See what is preventing me from seeking you. I want you. I want to taste what you said this mystery is that will be absolutely mind-boggling. And Jesus says, and I'm telling you these things so that my joy will be in you and be completely overflowing. Ask him to look at that and see. Two, I have to say what, what begins to happen. I believe today, and I don't know, I, I read this and I read some things this week about the distraction of the electro, electric technology and all this stuff. I can't even pronounce the names because I don't get on them that much. But I've seen them. I've seen the distractions today. I believe that you and I are distracted by the enemy. It says that these are the cares and concerns of the world. All of them might be different for everybody sitting in here, but if you can't stop distractions, you're not going to be able to be still. I have found in my own life, I can't seem to enter into that sweet awareness of God's full presence within me when there's so many things distracting me. And I think it's kind of what he said to Martha when he said, Oh, Martha, Martha. You're so busy with so many things. Mary has chosen the better, to sit at his feet and to know him. So whatever your distraction is and how you can know what occupies your brain, what occupies the real estate in your mind, what occupies the, your time, what do you look at, what do you read the most of, when you go right away to what site do you look at. I'm not saying you can't do those things, but just be honest with yourself. What are these things that are distracting me? Along with that, I believe that it is essential that you develop some sense of Sabbath, some sense of quietness, some sense of way that you get to just get away. I wasn't so worried about the kids. I actually enjoy the kids way more than I let on right here. But I knew something. I'm leaving early in the morning. 
And I knew, not just to get away, I knew I have to leave so I can be quiet and have an hour and a half to a couple hours of just quietness. My quietness is not always just to review what I'm going to tell you. My quietness is to get quiet to see what God wants to tell you. Some of you have seen this, probably wished that you hadn't, that I have had many pages of notes and God led me in a totally different direction two minutes before I got up here. And I'm sure many of you said, you should have grabbed the notes. God says, for I desire and delight in steadfast loyalty, faithfulness in the covenant relationship rather than any sacrifices or things you want to give me. And the knowledge of God more than any burnt offerings. That word knowledge means experiential union with God. God's saying, I'm not interested in your sacrifices, Hosea 6 6 says. I want you to love me. I'm not interested in your service. I want you to know me. So here's the two different obediences, and we'll leave you thinking about this. The obedience that I think is a mystery, I think is a mystery because it's a mystery that this God that you heard about from the day one that we started this series of the creator of this universe that lays out the expanse of the world and lays out all the galaxies and all the things that we have no idea uh, the limit of it. As God's higher than earth, and the heavens higher than earth, so's God weighs higher than ours. You have no clue. And it says this God sits in the heavens, and he sits, I want you to understand, in his kingdom, he's not threatened by any other king. There's no president or anything that's threatening him. It said he's sitting, and the word there means he's in a restful state, sitting with his feet on the earth, and his throne is the galaxies. And it says, God sits on his thrones in Psalm 102, and he laughs at a world thinking that they can mock him or change his plans. He's in charge of this show. That God chose some way to come and live inside your very life, Daryl. That God reduced and came in to live inside your life. And the angel said, this is a mystery we cannot comprehend. I don't even know that the angels still comprehend it. I don't. And he lives inside you for the relationship. God does not need you to go out and work and serve him. If all of us say, nope, we're done, God. Let's see how you do. God says, I'll have stones cry out. The serving is so that we can enjoy the relationship in serving. So the difference is this. A lot of times you're going to read about sanctification. That means just letting live out what has been done to you. You're going to see the things of obedience and put to death the deeds of the flesh. So you're going to try to say, okay, I'll stop doing this. I won't do that. I'll stop doing this. And I think that's a good desire in your heart for for the right purpose. The right purpose is so that I will remove that which would cause any distraction between my union with God. But you can decide to leave here and say, okay, I'm going to do this. And you start doing something, you will be just like Paul. You will tire yourself out and that yoke will not be easy. So here's what I suggest is the mystery of obedience. I believe that in my life, and again, I've told you, I'm just very, very... Not very far along the way. 
But I'll get up and I'll say, okay, Father, it is a, it's a daily reminder that you are my very life, that I do not exist apart from you. And that by faith, I believe that you and your whole trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, inhabit my life. And therefore, I'm going to have times throughout this day, I will quiet myself to know what is it that you are wanting to do. What kind of love are you wanting to display towards those that I have contact with? And then when I'm going along, I'm beginning to hear more and more what it might sound like and what he might sound like. How do I know it's him or not? Because I feel like I spend time in this word on a regular basis so that I might know the boundaries of left and the boundaries of right. I might understand in Isaiah when it says, Bill, whenever you get to the left or to the right, this is the way walk in it. Is that I can tell, oh, that's not from you. That's inconsistent with how you've revealed yourself. So I'm in the word on a regular basis, not because I have to do it to be a good Christian, because now it becomes my bread. It's my food. I can't imagine not being in that word on a regular basis. Not because I'm so godly and I do it, because to me, it has become nutrition to me. And so as I begin to spend time there, I begin to say, okay, God, I'm going to believe that, that you are dwelling in me. And basically, because you're in me, there's going to be an obedience that's going to come from me that I know is your life living with my life and partnering its way out. So anything that I hear then, I'm obedient to that which I put, was put, laid on my heart. That's the difference between the mystery of obedience and me performing by doing laws and rules and doing things and not doing things. Let me read you this portion of Scripture. I think it's an interesting portion of Scripture. Let no one keep lying to you anymore about all these things about your self-abasement and how the worship of angels and taking visions and stands and prophecies, inflated uh, causes... And they're saying they're holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together in the joints and ligaments. If you have died with Christ to these elementary principles of the world, why in the world are you living as though you're submitting yourself to all these rules again? That say, don't handle this, don't taste this, don't touch that, which all refer to things that are going to perish in accordance with the commandments. These are matters which have to be sure they give the appearance of wisdom and religion and self-effort. And they were even uh, severe treatment on your body to do them and not do them. But I promise you this, they're of no value. So then, if then you have been raised up with Jesus Christ, keep seeking him and the things above, where he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed in his glory. I want to conclude with this because I think that for me, and this is something that just kind of hit me uh, a lot is, and I've used this a lot with you here, in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, those chapters uh, or the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed. It's the last time he was going to talk to his disciples in a serious way before he was going to go and, been, and go to the cross. And so he told them all that he could tell them in that short time. If you've never read it, read it with that intensity of somebody telling you before they died what's going to happen. And he begins to tell them all about the things that I think are pertinent and the things that are important. 
But in the last chapter after, he says, they finally get it now. They finally understand that I came from you, Father. They all finally understand what I've been trying to tell them. So he goes into his prayer to the Father. And this is one of the things I grabbed out of his prayer that he basically repeated over and over again. I do not ask on just behalf of these alone, but I'm asking on those that will believe in the future because of their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may then believe that you have sent them. And the glory which you gave to me, I am now giving to them, that they may all be one. That's not just individually one with the Father, it's as a group being one. Just as we are all one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in union. That the world may know now that you sent me and you love them even as you have loved me. This is my desire, Father, that they might be one in the same manner that we are one. And so there's a oneness that God is desiring for you. That oneness is you and God being one with him and letting the mystery of that obedience come out. Whatever God seems to put on your heart, be obedient to it and do it and you'll reflect that. And then you're going to see, I think Ben next week is going to go into the fact that this isn't just for you. It's not just for your family. It's not just for this church. This is to be one with a whole world and how that's going to look. Would you pray with me? Father, I realize that when you said this is a mystery, that that means it's nothing that could be understood or comprehended without your revelation of revealing what it is. We can't in our human minds understand it. We can't uh, explain it. It's confusing. You said in 2 Corinthians that unless you lift a veil, that this, the veil of our own works and our own efforts will remain there. I ask you now, in the name of Jesus, that you'd lift a veil off the lives that are in here right now whose heart wants to seek you and wants to know you. I pray that today will be a, a, a stepping stone for them to be able to say, wow, this is a yoke that I can handle. This is a yoke that is not burdensome. This is a yoke that is not heavy. And that they'll be able to come back and, and uh, remember this day and remember the fact that you have revealed this to them and you've wanted to live within them, and they would start that journey of that union with you in a way that's so much simpler than our performing. And I'm trusting you're going to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.